0: absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated wow did we just write an ad yes bombas big comfort for everyone go to bombas.com slash wondery and use code wondery for 20 percent off your first purchase hey it's an artist podcast number 848 this episode is brought to you by squarespace for a blog or maybe some type of online commerce where you want to have a thing that's connected to your blog. Uh, and you want to sell it for money because you hate your job and you're like, damn it, I'm going to make my own thing. I don't need to take orders from anyone anymore. I'm going to build my thing. Build it with Squarespace. They allow you to create a, a custom platform uh, where you can make your, your, any goal that you have into a reality. They have fantastic customer service. So start your free trial today. Squarespace.com. Enter the offer code NERDIS to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Make your next move Uh, Now it's time to go to the Nerdist Community Corkboard First, I want to lead off With the Nerdist Podcast Which will be uh, live at SF Sketchfest With myself, Matt Myra Jonah Ray uh, Katie Levine Up on the ones and zeros Who is recording uh, all the info And our special guest Nathan Fillion The captain himself, Nathan Fillion, will be there. Uh, That will be Saturday, January 21st at the Curran Theater in San Francisco, uh, 10 p.m. It's a massive venue, but there's there's still actually uh, just a handful of tickets left. It's getting close to sold out, so if you want it, go to sfsketchfest.com. Join us. Uh, It will be a good time, and you will give good Time to, hey, I just evolved into not um, having English as my first language. I apologize. Uh, let's go to the cork board though, and let us continue to promote things from you, the Nerdist community, which you can get on the board by emailing events at Nerdist.com. You can also tweet Katie Levine at KT underscore money on the Twitter. Um, she'll mostly want to talk to you about football. But if you have stuff, uh, and also uh, dogs, football and dogs. But if you have uh, something that you want to add to the corkboard, by all means, let us know. And uh, this is from a guy, she just wrote, this is from a guy that tweeted at us, very specific. Bulldog Unchained Podcast is a podcast that talks about everything imaginable. Their description is, if you want a show that's cynical, hilarious, dark, and filled with vulgarities, then this is the show for you. Find them on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Uh, This episode is Louis Anderson, whom I've known for about 20 years now, and have been a fan of for about 30 years Maybe a little longer. Those are big numbers. But uh, Louis is such a sweetheart. I adore this man. And I'm so glad that he was on the podcast. He is uh, in the new season of Baskets, for which he won an Emmy last year. Uh, It's Zach Galifianakis' show, and he's amazing on it. It's premiering January 19th, coming back, 10 p.m. on FX, uh, which is just a few days from the time this podcast goes up. Oh, man. Not only is this guy a comedy legend, but this guy, he's such a joke uh, crafter, uh, and, and, and I adore him, and I'm so glad that he's, that he's still doing stand-up and still doing stuff and still uh, relevant and wonderful. So I was very happy to have him on uh, this episode, also brought to you by Casper Mattresses, because you need to sleep. At night, it's very important to sleep. I found this out. I used to think sleep is for the weak. It's not at all. <laughs> when you don't sleep, you get crazy and sick. So you need a good mattress. You spend most of your life on your mattress, and and then I'm not even saying like make a big financial investment. All right, these are shockingly fair prices. These are obsessively engineered, and it's because it just cuts out all that mattress store crap. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. So you can try it for 100 nights, risk-free, in your own home. And if you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything because they understand the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit. Uh, And again, you are not going to spend a lot of money on this mattress. And you're also, if you visit casper.com slash nerdist and use the offer code nerdist, you're going to get $50 toward the mattress purchase, making it even less expensive. Damn it. Uh, Terms and conditions apply. And uh, we would like to thank Casper for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, which again is number 848 with Mr. Louis Anderson. Katie, roll the thing. Now entering nerdist.com. I'm, I'm so glad to finally have you on this podcast And I love that you did our At Midnight show A little well, while ago
1: know, The Midnight show, I just was telling Bones uh, He goes, you were, I said, I love being on the show He goes, you were terrific I go, I wasn't terrific I wasn't prepared I'm, <laughs> I had to be, I had to, I, I wasn't I was nervous, because there was young people You were nervous? Were young, I was Oh, little, come on You were so good to me, and you were so kind
0: so. Well, I adore you I'm, Yes, but,
1: you know, as a performer I want to be the true funniest one so. Of
0: course. There's that natural competitive thing that everyone even though it's not re, we're not really playing for anything you're still playing for yourself in a Congratulations. weird Congratulations, you're sort of married. Way. It. Now, were you last time too? Already when I was uh, I got married in August. So, oh yeah. yeah, so it was true. It was, so I can yeah. say it again though. You're yes. still happy? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, it's really it's really nice. And and uh, it I was just talking uh, I was just on the phone with Alex Murray who said, "Please oh. tell Louie I love him." I to love pieces. Alex. But uh, for people who don't know, Alex has been my manager for 13 years. You worked with Alex for a long yes, time.
1: Yes, he was my manager for 13 hours. <laughs> no, he was a manager of mine for a long time. He was Steve Levine's assistant. Yeah. And I always encouraged him. Like, I always encourage everyone. Yeah. That's my gig. I go, you, why don't you go out and do something? Why don't you get out of this and make take a stand? And then the, about two years later, which, you know, it takes a while to get there. I don't know how long it was. I pro- I don't know if I said it exactly like that, but I encourage people. And he did it, and I was really impressed because hardly ever, hardly ever do people do it.
0: <laughs> Am I right? Well, yeah, I mean, because I think a lot of people either go, oh, I can't do that, or they just don't, or they don't for whatever reason, or they get sidetracked. But he was very focused, and when I signed with him, he found me at the improv. He saw me at the improv, like, right after I quit drinking, which was 2003. And he was like, hey, you're really funny. Do you have a manager? And I did. At the time, but they weren't really doing anything. So I just went. You know, he had Gaffigan yeah. then and Gaffigan yeah. hadn't quite broken yet. Yeah. And he had, you know, Todd Glass and just so oh, he had you yeah. and John Panette. Yeah. And he said all these people that I really liked that I thought were really cool He was funny. over in the Valley then, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in. Well, no. He was in Beverly Hills Beverly first. Hills,
1: right. That's right.
0: But he had this really great collection of like of veteran comics that I loved and then like up and coming guys that I loved. Like it was just a nice balance that yeah. he had. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he had the um, the the car guy, the guy who unfortunately lost his life. That was a part of his company. The great, the young actor that smashed up his Porsche and died. Oh,
0: Paul Walker. Paul yes, Walker. that that was um, nine that, yards. Yes. That was nine yards. Yeah, well, he was with nine yards. He was First, with nine were you. Were after nine yards. I was at nine yards. Oh, you were at nine yep. yards. Yep. And um,
1: and so you know that's kind of a he had kind of a he had that that brood that was waiting to
0: hatch. Yeah, but, but 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 you know, you're you seem to be one of those guys that whenever your name comes up, oh I love Louie. Ah, right. oh, Louie's the best. Yeah. Oh, hire I love me that then. Guy. I always say to people, hire me.
1: <laughs> I mean I'm really happy for it, but hire me. Could you hire me? Where do you do you live in Vegas? I live in Vegas, yeah. But I mean, I'm, you know, I've been here quite a because 'cause I'm we just finished we just wrapped um Baskets season two. Congratulations. Thanks. So Did, much fun.
0: I mean, what an incredible when you you know I mean Zach is oh my God Zach is just such a unique comedy entity that a guy like a guy like Zach you know having done big blockbuster movies could be like no, I want to do a crazy you know he's like yeah. no I want to do a an intimate fun you know show that's just such a weird spin of how his brain works and then you get an emmy like congratulations thanks
1: that was nice
0: Yeah, that's incredible you probably i
1: shouldn't have brought it here with me
0: but... i mean that's all right it I listen mean, it works, i think it, yeah. it looks good around your neck and, yes uh...
1: that's it you know like i like to represent <laughs> it's very hard and you know it has left. to be photographed uh you turn it facing left yeah I yeah guess, yeah yeah you you but side. i don't you know the street. I respect the street, so whatever <laughs> the street wants me to. Do. I told
0: you the last time you were here you, that you said one of my favorite things on stage once at the imp- uh, like at the Irvine Improv or something. You go, yeah, I carry a thousand dollars around in my pocket because then if anyone like cuts me off in traffic, I go, ah, I got a thousand bucks in my yeah. pocket. Yeah,
1: it's such a fucking great. You know, like I love that thing. I grew up really poor. A thousand bucks is like a million dollars. You know, yeah. when you grow up poor and. I just love the idea of having the cash case, you know, things go wrong. It's just in the pocket. Just in the pocket. And then I love, because L.A., you know, when I first moved to L.A., somebody would come by the house every day and knock on the door. I go, who is it?" A uh, hundred bucks. I go, why? You live in L.A., don't you? That's how I felt. <laughs> I felt like it, no matter how much money I had in L.A., it was gone. Yeah. Because it just cost, you know, the maid. and And, you know, because I wanted to have a maid. And because I'm a terrible, I don't want to clean up anything. <laughs> if, and if you then live I would a... always overpay the maid. But you might need parking permits for the neighborhood you live yeah. in. You got to pay for that. <laughs> there's,
0: a, there's always everything. There's, there's
1: the fee everything. for the condo. The... I lived in the apartment one 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 nine three six, Burbank Boulevard, the Carindell Apartments. Oh
0: wow! This that's... woman
1: that ran it was that's
0: deep Burbank.
1: Yes, that woman who ran it would come by. Mike, my... can you hear this tapping? No, not really. Okay, so, Lewis, <laughs> Lewis, you put your bathing suit on the railing again. <laughs>
0: Lewis. Is that not allowed? No,
1: it's in it, it's in the rules. <laughs> There's no bathing suits on the, <laughs> Lewis, Lewis. And I'd be e- sitting in a chair eating something. Never go to the outdoor. <laughs> and then she would say, I saw you had the bathing suit. Did I? Oh. How about that that's like when mitzi would tell me i was a sweater comic oh mitzi shore at uh, uh, mitzi shore at the comic store and she'd go where's your sweater <laughs> i go it's in the car do you want me to get it no but wear it next time because <laughs> you're a sweater comic what is a sweater comic i'm a sweater comic you're from the midwest i just want to do pinch your cheeks so you so need have a
0: sweater and she
1: said you're a sweater not a jacket
0: that's hilarious. But I love that about her. Do you her. agree? Do
1: you, are you a yeah, I guess I am. You know, the first show I did was Mike Douglas and it was not Mike Douglas on the air, but the last pilot Mike Douglas did. Okay. And so I was the comic and I didn't own a jacket. I only had, you know, I didn't have a a I didn't have a suit jacket. I wasn't, you know, I just I was a poor kid. I never thought I should get a suit jacket. I just would wear like a shirt on stage or you know, I was I'm i just just so I I had a a gray sweater, and I wore the gray sweater and a nice shirt. It was very Midwestern, very <laughs> going to. We're going to the neighbors for dinner, and I did the Mike Douglas show with a sweater. How'd it go? Killed it. And it never aired. <laughs> it never aired, but I well lo- I grew up loving Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas, somewhere I saw many of my idols. You know, I remember. I, I Marty I, Allen. Who's still alive? We should have him on the podcast. Oh my god! You should have him. He's still as sharp as attack. He's much funnier than I'll ever be on this podcast. And <laughs> but he is. He's so he's so funny, Chris, and he's so relevant, and he's so real. And um, he went through a phase in as, you know, when he left Allen. It was Martin and Al, or it was Marty Allen and Rossi, and they, they he sang, and then Marty did the jokes. And they were big in Vegas. And everybody, I'm sorry we're losing you in the podcast, but go look them up because you'll see how funny Marty was. So Marty goes through this phase where he's not with Rossi anymore, and he's opening salons in Beverly Hills. Okay. And he's using a blowtorch to cut hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, this is the most fantastic fucking thing I ever saw. I'm in Minnesota sitting on my couch going, what? And he's. Whoosh, he, he had a comb and he just. He, he had a metal comb and he just. Well, I should try and get the tape of it. It's so funny. That's fucking great. And he's cutting the hair and it looks pretty good, but he's using fire. And he goes, I'm only in a line across the country. I just. I just. Uh, I just made a deal with the, you know, the welders union to get some good uh, helmets and torches. But it's is. So- it, that, to me, I don't know if they were doing a joke, but I don't think so. He had a salon in Beverly Hills where he cut the hair. You know, Marty Allen was a jitterbug champion as a kid, and that's how he got into show business.
0: I did not know You have
1: that. to have Marty. I hope you'll think about it because I lovely.
0: Well, because there are some and, – Lovely. And, and this sort of applies to Zach too, but there are some people who they just operate at a different frequency, and you can't – I'm always fascinated by because a lot of times you'll watch comics and you will go, okay, I see the, I see how that joke was born. Right. Then there are people like you know Maria Bamford, Zach Galifianakis, where you go, I, that's just your brain. I don't know how you got from there to there. I can't find. I don't see the tracks yeah, in the yeah, snow. That's yeah. a fu- good. T- it's a good point. Yeah, it's and it a a, sounds like Marty Allen's yeah. kind of the same way. Where it's like, oh, you're just a, you're just a beautiful. Like, weirdo. Who would think
1: in between two ferns. Yeah. Like, that takes a certain kind of mind. You'd never be able to pitch that show. No. Like, what? what? Yeah. Like, I would pitch in between the pie and the cake
0: stand. (laughs) You remind me that. (laughs) In the old days. And I know I probably bored the shit out of you the first time I met you, which was like 96. I met you at Mo Gaffney's. You were always so sweet to me. I loved Mo. Well, I adored you because I, you know, being a, a rabid comedy kid, you know, watched every comedy thing in the 70s and 80s. That that ninth annual Young Comedian Special, which I've mentioned so many times on this podcast, spun so many people off that one episode. You and Kinnison and Saget and Rita Rudner and and uh, uh, and then it was Yakov.
1: And that was an incredible night. But I'll let you finish your thing. That was it. That was and I it. Wanna, cause I want to because I want to just come back to that because I want to talk about meeting you and the whole thing too. But that night was a really Rodney called me. I had met Rodney in Minnesota. He and I, I said to all the comics in Minnesota, Let's go see Rodney. I heard he likes scotch, you know. I read a little article and he liked good scotch, so I didn't know. I never, my dad was a drunk, so I never really entertained alcohol, you know. So I don't know what a good scotch is. I go in the liquor store, I go, What's a good scotch? He goes, You can't go wrong with Glenn Levitt. <laughs> I go, Good, give me a nice bottle, a nice big bottle of Glenn Levitt. And I said, Let's get some balloons, It's it's silly. That say love, love you, we love you, and all that stuff. And let's go and sit in the front row of the show. Let's do it, and we'll send this back to Rodney. And I go, you know, it's it's my mom speaking. My mom was a gracious, lovely person, but really knew how to worm her way in <laughs> on a deal. Do yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Worm to get, you know, she wanted, she had a purpose. Yep. She used her niceness. So we bought the thing. I got the scotch. Rodney was overwhelmed by the fact that I knew that he liked scotch. I gave it to him as us. I didn't take, you know what I mean? I wasn't, it wasn't about taking credit, but he knew that I'd got the scotch. And what year is this? 1901, I think. <laughs> 1901. Uh, no, print. let's see. I'm trying to think. 70 has to be 79. So he was, he was playing at a he club. Was at in- the, he was at the uh, Carlton Celebrity Room. Okay. Which was our play without a casino. It was that kind of a. Gotcha. It was that kind of a room. Gotcha. where They had stars in it. Great. And Rodney was there. And it's the first time I ever heard people go absolutely insane when a person was introduced. You know, where they just yelled out the whole time. Rodney! You know, and these are Minnesotans. Rodney! Love you, Rodney! Hey, man, how you doing? Anyway, I mean, and then he'd open with you. Hey, you work here. You got no act. But anyway, you know, he took it. And then there's a place in Minnesota called Coon Rapids. Okay. And they go, Coon Rapids, huh? <laughs> you know, and he was trying to. But, you know, Minnesotans were all like, what's wrong? What does that mean? You know, because we're all so literal about right, everything. Right. But I just remember that. And then he had us back and he was very moved by it. I'm I'm long winded and I should No, be. please. No, this is what you're supposed
0: to do on a podcast. So he
1: had us back, and it was fabulous. We we just love him. You know, we just loved him. He was there a couple of nights. I go, Rodney, uh, are you you know, do you want to come over to our club? We got a little club? Hey, yeah, sounds like a good idea. You know, because he loved comics. People don't realize how much Rodney absolutely loved and wanted to be adored by his peers. Mm-hmm. So big limo. I, I call all the press. I go. Let's get all the press down here. Rodney's coming. Let's put our ma- club on the map. So whether he shows up or not, we are going to say he's coming. He comes. A big limo pulls up, and all these people go out. Then a little. Um, what was the car that used to explode if you hit it in the back?
0: <laughs> <laughs> was it a gremlin or like? No, a- it was.
1: Uh, was it a little? It wasn't a gremlin. It was. Uh, it was a little. Was it a Ford? It you remember it? On Google. Ford Pinto. Pinto. So it was a Pinto, a little yellow Ford Pinto pulls up behind the limo and Rodney gets out. (laughs) (laughs) So he, he, he had a sense of every bit of who he was. Sure. You know, he comes in, we're just like in awe, you know, we're just like in awe of him. We're just, we're, I mean, you know, this is icon, you know, last, the last great character comic to live in my opinion. Anyway, um. So we all perform because, you know, Rodney's there. We all crush it in our heads. Then Rodney gets up, and then he does that same joke. Hey, you work here. It means you got no act and no life, something like that. And I go, you know, everything's funny. And he and I stayed friends from that time on.
0: Did he he give you any notes about your set, or did he say anything like, hey, good job, man? So you got to get out of here.
1: Go to the East Coast or West Coast. You're ready. You got it you're a natural holy shit yeah but you know you you know it was very sweet of him you know but you're overwhelmed by it i never forgot that he cared enough yeah you know to say that but you know he said it to me while the other comics were there oh man that's so you know that put a bullet on my back anyways a little bit (laughs) (laughs) right before it actually but you know what i'm saying yeah so then years later i you know sporadic we didn't talk every day but you know ronnie reached out to me from time to time and said hey how you doing hey thanks for that scotch man i really appreciate it he thanked me every time almost that i saw him oh it meant so much to him so we did he calls me i'm starting to become successful i think i'd already done the tonight show Mm -hmm. hey man hbo called me they want me to do this comedy young comedian special Uh uh-huh i know you're past it which was very sweet of him uh, to say. It really was. And I'm not I, I don't think I've ever told this story. Um, this part of it. And I go, Yeah, Rodney, anything for you. And then we get there, and it's Harry Basil and and uh, Rita Rudner Bob and Bob Nelson Bob Nelson yeah. and Sam Kennison and uh, Bob Saget and um, Howie Howie Gold.
0: Howie Richie Gold. Richie Gold. Yeah, and Yakov Smirnov. Yakov
1: Smirnov. So, uh, he goes, I'm going to put you on last as a homage right and i go ooh, i'd rather have third um
0: <laughs> i've been in tv taping. i'd yeah, rather that's be the thing. third yeah sometimes i don't want to be 10. sometimes they you know people think like oh i'm being respectful by putting you last like no, no that just no, means no, i'm the last no. of like 12 yeah. people to go up. Yeah. yeah i'm yeah. third yeah third's good yeah. the crowd's warmed up yeah. get at, get, i'll let you
1: know when i want to go catch on. catch the yeah, wave early yeah, people yeah. are still
0: excited to well be you know there. what i mean yeah i know i know
1: exactly um so they go on. There was four people go on. Then Sam goes on. And that was it. Because that was the night that people discovered Sam Kennison. Yeah. That was the night. That was this thing. The people in New York, everybody was having a good time. And the room stood still. They roared with laughter, but it stood still with uh, amazement. Like people turned to each other afterwards and went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nobody had ever said, hey, I'm sure the guy filming the starving children in Africa has a sandwich. I'm sure he could give them a sandwich. (laughs) And
0: also just his energy. Yeah, just his energy. Don't feed him yet. Yes, yes, yes. He's got to look hungry.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he did it all. And I went, oh, my God. Uh, Everybody just sank. Anybody with any kind of thing sinks in that situation if you're going to do your set. Hey, I'm going to talk about butter.
0: <laughs> hey. You ever, have it? you ever have any? But I feel like everyone. Oh, Maurice Lamarche was on that, too. Yes, Maurice. Who I'm Maurice, still yeah. very good friends with. I love Maurice. Uh, he did all of his. Uh, he did all the the impressions. Like he, yeah. He, but it was such a well. And he was the brain. He was, I'm yes. Picking, yes, in the yes brain. picking the Brain. and And a million other, you know, yeah, yeah. Futurama and yeah, mean, like yeah. a million other voiceover but the things brain, to, the, to this you know, my, day. One of
1: my favorite
0: shows. Uh, in the but, brain. but everyone, I thought it was a very good, it was a, it was a well put together lineup because I felt like everyone had a different voice the, and a different strength. Everybody had a point of view. And, you know, Bob Nelson was super fucking weird and Richie Gold was this guy. Yeah. And, you know, Harry Basil did this weird thing with a sword and yeah. Excalibur and – Saget had his quick two line jokes, and you did the "Let me move this mic stand so you can see me." Like everyone had a, it was like it was like a like a super friends. Like everyone yeah. had a superpower, and I felt like everyone shined that night. Yeah, you know, of course, in
1: hindsight, Sam being fifth and me being tenth, the crowd was ready for another person by then, <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? In my mind, because I always I was much more calculating than people might think. As a comic, I might appear laid back and not. And OK, but I was very calculated about, you know, this guy's this guy's uh, this guy's killing the crowd. I get him off there. You know, he's just dying. To, you know, oh, someone's it, having a bad set. Yeah. You know, you just want him off. And then I later I just, oh, none of this matters really in the big scheme of things.
0: I kind of think, though, I tend to think the opposite sometimes if you're on a long, you know, if there's like eight or ten comics on a show and someone's having a rough set. I sort of feel like there's an opportunity after that to like bring some life back into the crowd and bring some energy back into the crowd. So I, to me, I don't ever think, well, the room's dead now. I think, oh, well, now they're ready to, you know... like yeah, you're an eternal optimist. I guess I am you in are. a way. I am too, but
1: I don't know with crowds. <laughs> I used to have to follow Sam, and then I would... You have to have a trick for following Sam because he would completely drain the room or Richard Pryor or... Eddie or any of those people could drain the room or Robin. He could drain the room. Yeah. You know, people were just like, Oh, that's enough. That's enough. that's enough. You know, <laughs> I need a break. I need a break. Right. <laughs> and I would do a thing. I go, Sam Kennison, ladies and gentlemen, Sam, come out, come on out. He would come out and take a bow. I go, Sam Kennison. Is he great? Sam, <laughs> come back out one more time. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, just let me, let me try to get him out here. He's unbelievable. <laughs> Did he, can you can even believe he was doing that stuff? I mean, that stuff. You see him when he gets to heaven? You're gonna wish uh, hell you've never. You're gonna wish to be you've never seen my face, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I go, hold on a second, he goes, Sam, he was long gone, or he'd give me the finger from back there. I'm not coming down. Sam, he knew what I was doing, and finally they go, enough, enough. What do you have? And then I went, you know, because you have to, you know, it was just fun for me
0: to do that, you know, Sam. Well, because what's, you know, that comedy experience is all about everyone's having a shared experience. And I think it's why it's very hard to shoot comedy and watch it on television. because It's such an intimate experience, even if there's, you know, a couple thousand people there, it's still an intimate experience. And as long as I think you can comment Because when people go up and they just like, this is the jokes that I wrote and I'm going to do them regardless of what's happening in the room, it's a little disconnected. But you're immediately – it's a brilliant thing to do because you're immediately connecting to what everyone's experiencing. Yes. And and then they're ready to listen to you because they know you're present. That's exactly how Mm. I always start every show.
1: So if I had trouble getting into the venue, they had trouble getting into the venue. Right. If I had trouble parking – they, they had trouble parking if it's cold outside it's cold outside to me too right so i always started with is this a screwed up entrance here or what yeah you know or whatever you know and i don't mean here kate just looked at me like you mean here go, yeah well a little bit but um i think it's actually a nice little studio but
0: um, did you ever see any of them I'm sure I mean any of these guys, any of these guys that you mentioned, Pryor, Eddie, any of these guys, did you ever see them have a rough set? And if yeah. you and if you did, did it kind of make you feel better in the sense of like, okay, everyone's human, you know, they're not superhuman as much as we can, you know, make people icons. <laughs> well,
1: yes, but a couple of things would happen. Like Pryor would come in and start with one joke for his special when he was getting ready. He would work for a couple weeks in the OR. We'd get a call, "Priors coming. You know, that's how it went. Richard's coming. Wow. You know, it would be passed around like that. Richard's going to be here. He's going to get here about nine. (laughs) Okay. Why are we whispering? It's just us two. And um, so he would come in, and I would be there every night. I wanted to see this process. It was the special he was going to shoot after Sunset Strip. Okay. The one he did in New Orleans. Or was the it crowd, here and now? Crowd, or... Yeah. Yeah. And the crowd was just yelling the whole time. <laughs> hey, give me I'll do the fucking joke, motherfucker. Shut up. I remember him saying something like that. <laughs> motherfucker. And um, he could say any dirty, nasty thing, and you never took it that way. Right. Because he was so connected to every single thing he did, and his guts were wide open no, yeah, so. so he would come. He'd start with one joke, and he, he would get it first to like a ten minute standing ovation. Sure, Richard Pryor, everybody, yeah. And then he would do that, and then he would struggle for ten or fifteen minutes. And I'd want to go in there and go, "Oh, guys, I was worried for him. I got come on, this Richard Pryor just." laugh at it even if it isn't funny you know but he knew that he knew what he had to go through it was an unbelievable process and then it and then he would do like 15 or 20 minutes and then he would head out he would do a couple things to save himself in the middle sure yeah do the ham bone what was that character he did that yeah uh, i can't think of it but anyways uh and then he would his group would be there to meet him when he came up paul mooney and those guys working on the special with him, and then they would all go And then the next night he would have three jokes. And then the next night he would have five jokes. And then by the end of the first week, he would have like a a solid half hour of, you know, of the skeleton. Right. And you could just see where it was going. It was fascinating. And it was things. But yes,
0: I was always like, I was a little like, huh.
1: (laughs) Well, not everything goes well for everybody.
0: (laughs) Well, and I also think sometimes in in a case like that, where someone gets a 10-minute standing ovation – Crowd, amazing right the, the crowd's expectations are so high yeah that i feel like it that people can be less forgiving because they go well this is supposed to be the funniest guy in the world yeah. what is this and then they yeah. kind of can get a little weird about it audiences because no one because people you know most people they work whatever jobs they have they don't think about the process they just think oh this person just opens their mouth and they're funny no yeah, no they, they don't the think fucking, we write these The things. fucking
1: process they don't think have you ever done that joke before
0: yeah, like thirty eight hundred <laughs> times I've done that's, the only, joke. that's how you what, make you it good. You got to do it a ton. You got to you, do the you art. Artist... Never say mean things to an audience. What are you a moron or something? <laughs> I think the art is. I mean, the craft is in the writing, and the art is making it seem fresh every time. The art is being able to do the oldest joke you have with the
1: same enthusiasm that you're going to do a brand new joke. Yeah, that's true, Chris. That's exactly right. And because it, it, that's the hardest thing in show business. Like the guys when they sing the song, the hit. Right, they want to sing the hit. I want to hear the hit. Don't just go, you know. Just don't just lip sync it. Have sing you Have hit.
0: you ever had a joke that you've done for a while that usually kills, and it starts not killing, and then you go, "Oh, I think I'm not excited about this joke anymore," and they know it. It's true.
1: And I will. I will. I don't know about you, but I will work on a joke for ten years. I have a joke that I that I worked on for 10, maybe 12 years, I finally got the punchline. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was enough of a joke that I could do. My mom would... I did a lot of stuff on my mom, and she would drive us... We were 10 and 12, me and my brother, and it was, like, arduous, because my mom was all, now, what are you boys up to? You're ruining our lives. (laughs) Leave us alone. We're up to no good. What else? And she would go... She would make us, me and my brother Tommy, guess the price... She paid for her outfits. And we had no, we don't know what, we, I mean, come on. <laughs> Kids, what do you think I got this outfit for? <laughs> and she's right in front of the TV, so we had to answer, you know. And I would, I was,
0: sorry. What? She, you, she was blocking the TV. TV, the, yeah, so yeah. we had to answer.
1: <laughs> come on, they're going to get off the island this time. <laughs> <clears throat> Um. <laughs> uh, and I said, I said, because I was like this kind of kid, eleven hundred. We didn't even have eleven. 11- we never had eleven hundred dollars, you know. Louie! nine hundred. And yeah. I always knew that that wasn't the joke. I go, I just saying, I don't know. That was it, right? The joke was in. I mean, what I liked about the joke was. That my mom would ask us to guess the price for the clothes. And I thought 900 was okay. But I always knew. I go, this is not the good. This is not it. There's a joke underneath this, which is always my belief. Every great joke almost always has right underneath it the best joke. You just have to be willing to, to, to keep working on it. Yeah. So one night I'm in Vegas. And I it's October. And I'm there. And I do the joke. What do you think I got this outfit for? Halloween? (laughs) And I got the biggest roar. Right? But I, at least 12 years, I did not give up on that joke. (laughs) And it finally paid off. And I, and I, and that's how much I love jokes. That's how much I care about my jokes. I had another joke about butter where my mom says, um, First words out of our mouth at a restaurant, can we get some extra butter? And the guy goes, yeah, but let us seat your party first, man. <laughs> <Right>? And then, <laughs> I forget the comic's name, a real nice comic. He gives me a tag and he goes, um, here's a tag for that. And you think, all right, I'm open to it. Um, yeah, but don't use the word lettuce again. Right? I go, "That is a good. That is a good line. So I do it. But it it gets a laugh, but it's not. I don't hardly ever do it because I do it. I I, I have mixed feelings because it's not my. It doesn't fit in my. Have you do you have jokes like that?
0: That doesn't fit in with it your. Doesn't
1: well no, but it's a great joke. I'll just do it together. Um, when he goes, let it let us see you first, okay? But don't use the word lettuce again, right? Because you
0: just right because he said.
1: Let us seat you yes. again Yes yes of course So it's a word joke I love wordplay But
0: that's the thing Is that if it's not it, To you It's kind of an empty laugh Because it's not It's not this kind of It doesn't fit It doesn't fit My the situation. mom wouldn't have said it My right. mom
1: wouldn't have said it Because it would have been Condescending to the guy So
0: you need You you need your joke To have some ring Of authenticity Like there has oh, to be a
1: I just fixed the joke
0: What? I'll do it for you You Please. Yeah. Um Yeah Well let us seat you first
1: Okay, I say, but don't use the word lettuce again.
0: <laughs> That's a use. That's, That's it. That's it. That's what you can would do say. it.
1: Because yeah. I it. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. It'll. it'll... I'm gonna try it. You should absolutely I'm try. try it on Friday night at Caroline's.
0: Oh, you're gonna be at Caroline's this weekend. Friday and Saturday. Oh, yeah. fantastic! I love that club. Isn't that
1: great? That's just such a great. It's right there. Like we're like you are sitting right there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's right there. I mean, but also holds. It's it's tough to find a club that holds a lot of people where people in the back don't get lost. And it, they've managed, the layout of the room's really good. Caroline knew what she was doing. With she that. really did. She really knew. I worked
1: at a club she had back in the 40s, in uh, 69th and 14th or whatever they always say to me. You were at my club on 68th and 46th. Oh, was I? Oh, yeah. I have no idea because I'm from Minnesota. We don't have any kind of configuration <laughs> with
0: 68th and 44th. Those are parallels in our minds. Yeah, she did a great... But, all, you know, <laughs> Minneapolis is a great... I know you're from St. Paul, but Minneapolis is a great comedy market, too. Yes, uh,
1: Acme. Acme's Acme, fantastic. Acme, people love that club. Yeah. Now, I'm post-Acme. Yeah. You know, it cleared up. I got proactive. But um... <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it You I'm can't. You have it. to say it. I never said it before, so it was just... It was bad. Cut that out for me, will you? No. 80. No, it's all staying in. Um, that's what Pete Holmes does. Ah! Um, it's Pete Holmes. Yeah, uh, I tried to get still Katie to help me with my podcast for, and Pete Holmes put a block on it. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, oh, I think she's pretty... Uh, he pod-blocked you? Yeah, he, he pod-blocked yeah. pod you. <laughs> he cat-blocked me. He, he did. He podcast. No, no, but I know pod is right. I had, no, I had no idea. Damn had it. No pod is right.
0: I had no idea he was such a Joffrey with his... Uh, <laughs> with, his, with, his, with, his with his podcast. With his, I did he could dance. The, cut, <laughs> the, the cutthroat world of podcasts. I thought that
1: Louis Anderson muscling in. On muscling was, in. Hey. Said, well, why don't I do stuff with your network? And he goes... I do it with Chris Hardwick. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I go, shut
0: up! <laughs> My mom hated your mom. Well, you know the funny. The funny when I <clears throat> when I met you in like '96. Yeah. At Mo Gaffney's place. Mo, uh, who one was of the funniest deliveries of all time. Incredible, Mo and oh. Kathy Najimy. Yeah. And, and, and Jimmy uh, and Jimmy. I was a I was a fan of theirs, and I couldn't believe that I was at Mo Gaffney's place, and then you were there, and I was a huge fan of yours. This was '96, so it was you know I had known who you were for like 12 years at this point, and uh, maybe maybe probably longer. And uh, and this thing you said about encouraging people, we were hanging out, and you go, "Hey, you're pretty funny," and I go, and to me, it was like the biggest compliment in the world. That was like you know Rodney saying to you, "Hey, you, should, you know," and uh, and you let me. Open for you at the Irvine Improv, and I really hadn't done a lot of comedy out of college at that point, and I didn't really understand a room. And the first night I performed, and I had a great set, and so the second night I invited my parents and my girlfriend, and, and it was the worst. The first joke didn't go well, and I just didn't have the experience. I didn't know what to do after that. I was like, oh, I don't. And so I immediately start sweating. The crowd starts feeling pity. I get off stage. Other comics who are there are like, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, I guess I don't know. (laughs) And then I was so – you totally – you were so sweet and supportive. And you gave me the piece of advice that I still give people who ask me if they should start stand-up. You go, don't worry about it. Just get on stage 100 times and then see how you you feel after that. Like see who you are after that. You won't know until you're on stage at least 100 times. It's true. And you were absolutely right. I'm glad that that happened because – the world's better with you in it. I, that's very sweet.
1: No, but it is. The comedy world, like I always, I, I use you as an example sometimes. I go, Chris Hardwick, you know, he didn't just one day, he didn't just pop into this. <laughs> he's been <laughs> he's been doing his, he did his, he worked his ass off. You know, because you, I mean, you, ha- there's a journey. I always tell comics, I go, that, you know, show business is like Disneyland. When it's really packed and the line is so long for the ride and you go forget it and i go show business like that if you get out of the line you know you yeah. have to get back you have to eventually you're going to have to keep going back to the end of it i go stay in that line
0: because you also know that if you stay in the line a bunch of other people are going to get out That's and the right. line's going to jump they're exactly. you're going to experience these moments where it's like oh i just wow i was back there but now i just i just jumped And then,
1: you know, a producer points to you in show business and goes, what do you do, kid? Comedy? Hey, warm up this show for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just happens like that. Like, I always am nice to the assistants of executives. Because lots of times they become the executives. Of course, because you know, I just fired Carl today. What do you do here? I'm his I'm his assistant. You're the new Carl. <laughs> you're the head of no, development. No, I'm Cindy. No, you're Carl, Cindy. <laughs> you're not gonna. You're gonna be my Carl.
0: <laughs> is it true? It yeah, it absolutely is true. It's the same, but it's it's the same rule applies to, you know, you could be in the mailroom one year and then at someone's desk being their assistant like Alex and then. Within three years, you could be, you know, head of something. Exactly. It just... I mean, look, at Ka- you know what I love about Alex? He did
1: it his way. He remained a great, nice guy. Yeah. He didn't become the person he worked for. No, he any... hates drama. You know, yeah. he's he... he
0: wants he he's a, a nice guy. I've never seen him mad, really. And, you know, he's just he's like, you know, I'm a problem solution guy. You know, if problem comes well, up, don't try to kiss it. him then. No, never. (laughs) I'll hold him softly. (laughs) You know, now he's he's, but he's doing he's doing so great. great Guy, he's doing he's doing so great,
1: and he's done such great work with everybody. And he would give you advice no matter what. You know, I don't. It doesn't matter that I don't work with them. Yeah. If I needed advice on something, he would give me the honest truth about it. Yeah. And that's all you ask for in show business. Yeah. If you could get the truth. Yeah. That's the worst part about show business. People feel that you can't handle the truth. They really do. They feel like, well, you just weren't... You need to hear you're not a good actor. Right. You need to hear that you are you weren't prepared. In
0: a constructive way. Well... From someone who you know cares,
1: not yeah, just, I mean, not just yes. someone being a dick. Well, I know. But you do need to hear the truth. Yeah. But you have to also be responsible enough to say, hey, I never learned one good thing, by the way, from somebody saying great show. Right. I never learned nothing. I learned from the guy who said, you know if you did that stuff about your family and you had a clean act, you could become famous. I heard that. And I was lucky. Roman Decare was God rest his soul. He pulled me aside. And he says, you do that family stuff and you do a completely clean act. Cause I used to swear back then he go, you do that. You're so likable. You'll become successful. God. I never forgot him for doing that.
0: I'm so jealous of the clean jokes. I
1: really, well, am. you know, they're just innately. They're just innately me. It's, it isn't. I I have an alter uh, ego called Dink Anderson, where I'm filthy, and I'm everybody is begging me to do some filthy jokes because I have a filthy set. Do you
0: do it on? you do it on 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 stage never,
1: but right. with friends, right? I'll do it. Listen, you know what your problem, and then I just go into a, you know Dink Anderson here, folks. I am the main act, you pricks. <laughs> Um
0: <laughs> if there was a themed show one night where it was like everyone's going to do their filthiest material you could do it I would come and do it and no one would think twice well, about it I'd get I'm sure it wouldn't go
1: over with some of my fans but if they knew I was doing it it's kind of like a uh, Tony Clifton yeah. from the Midwest more Yeah more Tony from uh the Carlton Celebrity Room Yeah you know you know just cuz those you know there's who knows how a career twists or turns for a comic. You know, I, sometimes you'll see a guy and he's got he's got the all the makings of it, right? But he's not doing anything that's important. You know, always tell comics, "Does the stuff you're doing on stage mean anything to you?" Yeah. And they go, "What do you mean?" I go, "Just what I said." I I "Guys, like, if that doesn't mean anything to you, why should I give a shit about it?" Right. It's got to mean something to you because otherwise, how can you do it? For, how can you work on a joke for 12 years if it doesn't mean something to you? <laughs> Am I right? Well, yeah. And I always, I don't give advice to people who I don't think. I gave you that advice because you, I knew what you were, you were funny, you were engaging. But also, I knew that you were serious about doing something. I knew that you were searching for the thing. People are either searching or they're placeholding their spot. Right. They're just a place, you know that's why comics come and go so much you know and i have a comic friend i go he's so hysterical and i go you know your heart's not in it is it he goes not really he goes i i, I i'd be i don't wouldn't be no good on the road i'd be lonesome and i go well, you shouldn't do it then
0: yeah i mean it's not it's not a it's not the easiest lifestyle <laughs> i don't think very many people
1: i mean i don't think it. i don't think I think you're kind of built for it, don't you? Do i me personally. No, people. Oh, people! Yeah, people, some yeah, people I mean, are built for
0: it, and and I think it's sort of like a weird. I, I almost think it's like a flaw that becomes armor in some way. Like it, it's you know when people say like a comic needs to be on stage, it's not just oh I right. want to. Be. It's like yeah. no, I really gotta. I really need to perform. I can't help it. I no matter how bad or how well. But but after the after the the nightmare that was that show I did the Irvine Improv. I was. I did one other show I mean, at Largo that did not go very well. And then I was really scared for like a year and a half I didn't go on stage. Oh. And then I realized, oh, here was my mistake. I got up in front of these rooms with no real experience. So I just started doing open mics again, which was a fun. That was very good for you to see It was that. great. Because you shouldn't –
1: you know, like somebody said to me, uh, I, this really profound thing, he said uh... – it was some kind of guy who tried to get me in this motivational thing. He goes, you know what? why you struggled on that one Tonight Show that you struggled? And I go, what? He goes, you know that Tonight Show that you didn't do very well on? And everybody knows how well they did on every Tonight Show. I go, what about it? He goes, you put too much importance on the outcome, and you weren't prepared for it. And I go, what? Wait a minute, what? What did you do? You know when somebody says something, you know I know all the words are right. Right. What is it? Could you? I'm I'm a little dumb. You know I always admit that I'm a little dumb. Can you can you walk me through it? And he goes, you put so much importance on that Tonight Show being as good as the first one. He goes, you you were doing a disservice to you because the first one was, you know that's your that's seven years you worked on that material, and you had to come up with another set. He says, and you put so much pressure on yourself that there was no way that you could deliver that tonight show like you delivered your first one which was because of the adrenaline and all the you were prepared he yeah. said you were prepared he goes you can't but you can't emotionally put all that importance on something so you have to you know and and isn't it true well, what's when the you answer? walk out on stage well when you walk out on stage you should be w- a big smile on your face and go if this doesn't work out it's no big deal right but you, you you know, with in your mind, but I am a great stand up. Right. But you do, you can't put too much, you know. Haven't you ever been in front of executives for and doing a showcase? Oh my God. My God, I used to fold like a, a cheap <laughs> suit. I used to go, I go, <laughs> hey, I'm Daddy, Steven. My, my mom is, there's butter in the fridge.
0: Ah! Oh my God, he's my not okay. My
1: was mean in the country. Everywhere. Somebody help him right <laughs> i didn't mean to do that to you, Katie i'm sorry
0: yeah but it is it's it's it really is the control the trying to control the result and i think trying to control the result also prevents people from doing a lot of things cuz they go well i don't if i can't control that this is going to be the most amazing thing in my life i think what you have to do
1: is be prepared for any results sure are you prepared but we're not preparing people are not preparing so whatever you're the most worried about you should prepare for those results. My dad once yelled at me from midnight till six in the morning because I left butter out.
0: <laughs> and I go, you—if you never had that experience, you—but you—you—but you've—you've talked. You—you said your dad was a drunk, was an alcoholic. Yes. Yeah. But that didn't make him any less cruel. But no. But I'm saying, but that. Feel, but for you, was that fairly in line with how he was most of the time? No, but he could be that guy, right? I didn't mean to take.
1: No, a, no, no. That was a profound thing you said, though. Thinking that you have some control of. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think we, you know, we don't. Sort you of, think that's true, though? I don't mean that we have to get off on that. No, I just, I think, I think it's very. I think we kid ourselves that we can control most of the results, or so we get very comfortable in our routine, and so. You know, things become relatively predictable and we think, okay, well, I have control. I mean, ultimately you don't. Yeah. We think we do. We have control over less than what we think we have. But, you know, I think anything is just about trying to, you know, just get through the process or figure out how to, you know, the people that survive the best are the ones who adapt. Like the ones that figure out how do I take this thing that someone else would look at? How do I take, you know, if I fuck something up, I can beat myself up about it for 10 years. Yeah. But, you know, someone else might go, OK, I fucked this thing up. I'm, I'll feel bad about it for a couple of days. But how could I do better? Or What could I learn from this? Or what could I extrapolate from this experience? Or how could I use this failure and spin it into a pot, you know, like, or you're a comic or you're a comic because isn't that a comic that
1: does that time and time again? That's yeah. I mean, how many
0: of the first hundred shows were great? Oh, yeah. And not, I, well, but that's the genius of doing 100 shows. Is that, you know, I would say to people, do if you do the hundred shows, do them as quickly as possible. Because I think if you do two shows a month and one of them doesn't go well in your mind, you go 50% of that month, I fucked up. If you do 30 shows in a month, you know, maybe five or six of them were, you know, two of them were terrible. Five or six of them were bad. The rest were good. Then in your mind, you have a nice percentage of like, okay, I, you know, I got like a B minus. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, like I'm learning. And then the whole time you're learning how to get better. You're so smart.
1: At better. Well, I don't know about that. But no, I, you're smart. You're one of those people I look at and go, I can't think like that. No. Nah, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It just is. It's uh, just who you are. Um, but you know where it really comes from that whole hundred thing is the treatment centers or aa and 12 step do 90 meetings in 90 days go to 90 meetings in 90 days and then see how you feel yeah see if you can can you do that can you make that commitment yeah because that's all i was saying to you do 100 shows
0: i like the and just see what happens approach though Because because you have no you don't know
1: you might not like it at 100 days
0: but at least you try it
1: you should give it a hundred days because you know you'd give you have to give college a hundred days right, and this is going to be your profession right, you know yeah. and i the other thing I tell comics work at hard, work as hard at getting someone into bed and getting drugs, work that hard on your act, yeah, I go work that hard on your act that that where you could go, you know I'm really I'm sick in bed, I have some drugs, I'll be right over. <laughs> if you're sick you should still go down to perform and go i'm sick isn't that
0: horrible to perform when you're sick (laughs) how do you workshop new stuff do you just sprinkle it in i
1: did new jokes from the very first tonight show i threw i did ad libs and jokes that came into my head no matter what i always added a new joke and macaulay would say to me hey we never went over that joke i go Oh, my God, didn't we? I thought we did. <laughs> I would lie right to him. I go, but it worked, didn't it? And then he and would go, go, yeah, yeah, where? And then he worked.
0: would go, and you got to stop hanging your bathing suit on the railing. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I, did I hang the bathing suit <laughs> He was a monster. Remember. Did you ever hang out with Johnny at
1: all? No. I used to tell people we
0: went bowling
1: in Minnesota. <laughs> How is he? He's a good bowler, I could tell you that. I bet he was a good bowler. I bet he was a good bowler. I bet he had his own ball. I'm sure he had his own ball. He had at least. You know, I'm sure he had one that was fabulous, too. Um, Johnny I think had was the guy who had a tremendous routine and you know the comics I think they love a routine and I don't mean just on stage but I think we love a routine like I used to love being a, the you know when I started out I'd get up when I wanted to 10 between 20, 10 and noon or you know and then just kind of like walk in work into the day yeah and then you know go on you know get ready to go and then make phone calls and then go down and I'd call the comedy store and find out who had showcases every night. And then I would try to get on right before them or after. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Because if they were looking at them, why couldn't they look at me?
0: Oh, those. Oh, I see. I'm I'm know, network. Right, right, right. Yeah, network. And
1: and the Tonight Show, that guy used to, I would always, and he'd walk out right when
0: I went on. He would walk out as soon as I went on because he hated me. It was such a you know the eighties were such an interesting time for comedy because there was so much that was like, it's like everything got so saturated with comedy. Everyone, I feel like the approach was different than because I feel like so many people were just trying to find their hook, whatever their yeah. f- five minute like quickly recognizable. This is my evening at the improv set in five minutes so I can get a TV deal or whatever. This is the five minutes that I was never trying to do that. Were you? Was I?
1: Yeah. No, I never tried to do that. Where I go. I'm just gonna do I would just try to do the best set, and I would always read the audience
0: i by the time I started doing the stick comedy full time I actually excuse t- me I didn't really have a plan with it i it was just more well, I just want to get better at this, so I'm just gonna do it, and you know it i well that was your plan though, yeah, but it took me ten years of doing stand up just around l a before I actually started going on the road and headlining yeah. wasn't until, you know, very late. Seven know. for me. So it doesn't, it, it just
1: took a long time. I always tell people, you know, it does, you can't wait long enough to become successful and you'll then, be more
0: prepared for it. And then you got to. And then I had to throw out all the jokes that I was doing in LA when I got onto the road and realized people didn't want to hear audition stories. <laughs> yeah. People don't want to hear that. <laughs> sh-
1: what are you doing? What is it? Can I get some uh, nachos? This guy's no good, honey. This guy, hey, where's it? Bring uh, bring Cannonball out. Is Cannonball back there? Cannonball.
0: <laughs> I'm piecing together the story yeah. of who Cannonball,
1: cannonball is. Cannonball, Cannonball.
0: Hey, You guys, this, this is a really great show tonight. Yeah, cannonball. Yeah. cannonball. And Cannonball just like fill the
1: stomach. Pull your pull your shirt up. Show your
0: man. Show your Cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> Does he build up? Does he spend the whole hour building up to the cannonball? Oh, yeah, he can't do it to her. You can't do
1: it right away. No. <laughs> you can't. You might give him a peek on the side of your stomach, but you don't. You do not pull that shirt up. You do not pull that shirt up that has something written, you got by it. the way. Yeah. You know? I remember seeing people. Flash off!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a rocket! Like a cannonball. I've
1: been cannonball. You've been great.
0: He reminds me of Dave. <laughs> ah, he reminds me of Dave.
1: It's <laughs> always someone that they know. It's always oh, it's true. Know. I thought you were talking about you know who I thought you were talking no. about, Dave. Uh, who is the Dave in our life? Famous Dave. It was what's his name's brother on Showtime. It had specials, Dave. Which Dave? it was always in the evil Knievel suit, Dave.
0: Oh, um, you mean uh, uh, Super, Dave. Dave? Super Dave? Super, Super Dave. Dave, right? Albert Brooks's Super Dave. Einstein. When you get older, all the Dave Einstein. Yeah, the, yeah, all the words yeah, are yeah, available. Super get Dave older. Osborne.
1: Yeah. One time I was doing a comic relief, and I was in. A, we were all in a, on the thing, getting a group picture. Yeah. And Super Dave was up there, and he goes, Louie and I thought, "Oh, is it, what?" And he throws me his keys. He goes, "Get my car." <laughs> 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 I did You know why not Of course you have of course. to Super Dave
0: Where is Is Super Dave still
1: He's not He's ah, just Dave No Just Dave But he was great Really great Because he did a He was so tongue in cheek About how he did it It was really clever stuff
0: It was You know what I mean it wasn't really. I don't think it was very common knowledge that he and Albert Brooks were brothers, though. It wasn't really like something. I don't that... think anyone knew who Albert Brooks was. Well, they, to they... Super
1: Dave. Well, that must have yeah. been irritating. I mean, huh? yeah. yes. Look at this guy. Put. So, am I going to get a suit? Is that their lunch? <laughs> what am I going to get a funny suit to wear? Am I going to shoot out of a cannon? And you don't even shoot out of the goddamn cannon. Jesus. How many albums hey. I put out? Can I get more butter? Could I He was a yeah, they're butter people. They butter people, yeah. They're butter people. Albert Brooks, he's so brilliant. <laughs> uh, what show is
0: what show was he in
1: recently or movie? He was so good in it. A-
0: oh, um he was uh oh he played someone's father in it. I ah.
1: always so good. You know, him and Richard Lewis used to come to the comedy store together. Richard And it was I like seeing both the same because they were so neurotic. They right. would rock back and forth. Each
0: but other. Richard Richard would do a lot. I feel like Richard's stories were more, you know, oh, everyone, I hate myself. I don't know what to do. I'm terrible in bed. And Albert Brooks was more, he really did. You hate his, yourself. You don't know what to do <laughs> in bed. But he also did I those really surreal. That. He also did those really so kind of like metal meta the, jokes that he
1: would do. Yeah, you do this stuff that I would just go, what is that? What is that? What that what is that It's time mean?
0: for another kooky comedy call. Am I right? Yeah.
1: He was just so good. Yeah, he had so much confidence in doing it, but he was probably just the same amount of insecurity as Richard was, but I mean, in a imagine, different way. I imagine most
0: comedians. What probably. did he do It like, the
1: Cookie co- Comedy Call? He would It was. Do I think
0: it was on Comedy minus one. I think it was on his album Comedy minus one. He would do these like fake radio calls. It's time for another kooky crazy, and of course they weren't kooky or yeah, crazy at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, he. I remember him on the Tonight Show. Doing something where like Johnny was like banging the desk. Yes, he was laughing. Yes. I think it was he so put a, inside. Put an egg in his mouth and he was doing. Uh, was curly like Bran- was he doing Brando? No, I think it was Curly from the Three Stooges, oh. like eating a jalapeno or something, and he just did the woo, 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 and then, like it fucking broke Carson in half. Yeah, Johnny loved that. Guy.
1: Johnny was so such a you know they, that's the greatest thing about Johnny Carson. He he loved comics and he loved people who were original and great and he didn't care because i know that those weren't the guests that the producers and the network wanted on sure he just had him on or he'd have a guy come and do close-up magic which always made me laugh (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) johnny could do whatever he wanted yeah that's what i'm saying well he was the true king of
0: of late night and comedy at the time did did you did you're being because you had aren't you one of 11 kids yeah was anyone else in your family funny intentionally yeah
1: my, my brother Roger was much funnier than I am,
0: really, yeah, but it just you know wasn't
1: the timing i mean he did he did more jokes, 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 jokes that were jokes you'd heard, right, I heard a funny joke, and he'd tell it right, and I was more like you know, I just was who i I just hey eh, i you know I was just presenting what I saw and what I what experienced And, you know Bob hope um. You know, um, Jonathan Winters, uh, Jackie Vernon, Jackie Gleason, and of course, Jack Benny, who gave me a tremendous timing deal that I really loved that he did, and. Those were my guys. My, my brother was more like a Char- Charlie Callis guy.
0: Oh, right. Just like a guy nah, at a party where you're like, oh, my God, that guy's the fucking yes. funniest. But it's difficult. People would to... always
1: say it to me, you know, at times. Hey, I met your brother. You know, the one that's funnier than you.
0: <laughs> and they were, they were not being mean. They were just being Midwestern. But I'm telling you, people don't realize there's a difference between the guy who's funny at a party and then being able to bottle that. And put it on stage right. in a structure. It's a completely different thing. That's a hundred times. That's, That's the start a, of that. Yeah, is
1: learning how to be a chemist. Yeah, it's alchemy, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it alchemy when you're up there? Yeah. I was happy that I once learned that word. And I use
0: it as <laughs> often as possible. Hey, it's all alchemy, man. Oh my God, he's right. He's the most insightful person <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're absolutely right about the. Uh, I love this idea of spending 12 years to just perfect a joke because it's and 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 the fact that you believed in it for that long. I did. That I you said just there's a joke. here. You're there. I don't know where. It's like st- I always think comedy is like you know the game Boggle. Yeah. You know, where you shake up all the letters and you like you write every word that you can see and you go, I got all the words and someone comes up with like 20 words. Oh my god, I didn't say it was right there. Your mom as she's setting
1: the the sandwiches down. Oh super califragilistic is there
0: you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was a cleaner comic I really do. I don't I don't think it would fit you
0: it does it may I don't you know, know I
1: think you could be that guy but it wouldn't be you maybe and I don't think I think your era clean comedy is hard for after my group but you do it Gaffigan does it yeah Gaffigan does it I, you know, but I think you have to, I think what we have created that, you know, m- may not be who you've created. We've created characters up
0: there. We're characters that people are. How close do you think your character is to you? Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, more and more these days I'm working on, uh, I've taken down another couple of partitions. Um, I did it the other night at the at the Largo, what a great place, huh? Oh Largo. yeah, Largo. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like to try and you know, Mark is so great to me. Lets me do a show once a month, and I just love it. You do a show there, don't you? Every
0: oh yeah, 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 no, no, it, but but yeah, Largo's Largo's one of the spots around town to so do shows. A, there's just like a, it's almost like they where'd they get these people? They're so good. Oh, I the audience? Thought, yeah yeah. I always
1: go where'd you guys where. Are you guys? <laughs> Where are you hiding? Where are you guys? How come you're not at my other shows? Where are more of you? Can Um, I just duplicate you? And so the other night I did that whole tirade. I'd never done it about my dad waking me up out of a sound sleep and making me come downstairs and confess to leaving the butter out. And I did it in character. I did it in character with both people, me and my dad. And I did it how it really went down. And it was really a little intense and got a little emotional. I didn't let it seep out, but it was very emotional for me. And and that is exactly where I'm going. That's exactly where I'm going. I'm going to have a, I'm because I had that automatically in my first special. I didn't have a filter. And then when I became successful, I started filtering things. I started trying to please other people. Because you were worried stand-up. about – I was just trying to – I wanted people to like me i wanted I wanted h b o to do all my specials. I wanted this person I wanted to be the top of the heap. I wanted to be king of the hill. I wanted all that and then so I started scrubbing and sanitizing and you know making it perfect or or try- I tried to please people. but my greatness in me is about completely just being in the moment of my dad half snapped drunk. Holding on to the banister, I'm on the step, and he's going, did you do it, Louie? You can just tell me, you know. No, you can't, I said in my head. I can't tell him. You never can tell your dad that because he's worse if you tell him the truth. Did you do it? Did you do it? Huh? No, I didn't do it. And then I finally, the whole bit went on for like, I think, 17 minutes, and I went, I did it. I did it. I, I couldn't help it. I saw it, and I just did it <laughs> because I had no memory of doing it. It just—I got my sandwich and I left the butter out. You did it? Was your brother involved? I go yes, and then he woke my brother up. My brother comes down. Were you involved, or was it Louie's idea? It was Louis's idea. All right, go back to bed. Why'd you? And but I knew the. I know the pathology of my father. That's all in me also. You know that really cruel, horrible uh addicted human being that anybody who's an addict knows, and so why should I not bring him out and put him in full display as I do with Christine on the show, Vasquez, why shouldn't I do that with my dad? That I do it with my mom? I've done that with my mom and my aunt but why not bring Because I used to bring my dad out. And, I, and he would be in the act, and I would get into that cruelty, and I would get into that stuff and then, at the end of the show, I would say, "Hey, be good to your families because it really matters. Be good to your kids. it makes a difference and it I always get too emotional in these things, but it
0: meant something to me. well, maybe now it's time that you're ready, maybe you're ready now to yeah, of course, explore all of course i don't
1: I'm not I'm I I wasn't ready because maybe I'm just making excuses that I sanitize. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I was using, I was blaming. My dad taught me how to blame really well. So, but I don't think you did anything. I mean, no, I, but I think you do it. You do it, but don't you? It, you you blame them,
0: yeah, for but, trying to please
1: them, and then them not accepting. But it. I think
0: you. I I think, and this is just my unsolicited opinion. I think your whole thinking about the whole process is flawed because I don't think you, you present it like you did something wrong back then. I sanitized. I did. You didn't do anything wrong. You did the things that felt right to you in the moment with the information that you had and it's easy for you in hindsight to go well i could have but maybe audiences wouldn't have been ready for it, you particularly at so that together, time you're not like that too no i'm not saying of oh, course i, I am want i just wanted to know I am. i'm
1: just saying we're like that but but, but that's how i can but
0: that's how i can recognize that i mean you know there there were there were a handful of people in that time in comedy that You know, the Bill Hicks of the world who just fucking wanted to push people's buttons and didn't give a shit and was very like, hey, fuck you. You're dumb, you know, and (laughs) that's very reductionist. He was a brilliant comic. But I I mean, you could sum him up like that. But but in the (laughs) sense, but in that in that sort of a sense, you know, I don't think audiences at that time, I don't think their brains were ready for that kind of honesty. And I feel like now comedy audiences you know uh are are more ready for that there's be, we've seen comedy for the past several decades and we you know we're a little more evolved and so i think maybe you're yeah, maybe, ready you're for right. it now and maybe the audience is ready for it now so i don't think i honestly think you did you did what you did and it was right in the moment and it was right for yeah. the time yeah
1: no i'm not blaming them me otherwise i'm telling you what the what happened right i'm just reviewing it with you and you're you're so kind and loving and caring despite your you know sometimes sarcasm you are trying to make me feel better
0: well i want you to understand that for what purpose
1: though is it that you want me to understand
0: because i i guess maybe Care it's it's an empathy about fear. like when I see people being hard on themselves, I'm like, "Oh, you don't need to do that." Yeah, because it doesn't change anything. But does and it that doesn't... work
1: with you? You don't need to do it. Does that work with you? Um, no, I'm not saying I'm great at not no, doing I'm it. No, I'm not. Like, I, this isn't like a thing. I appreciate what you did, but I just believe you, your kindness is always to me really evident. Like, I can see it. I can see how kind you really are. I just and when so- I lo-
0: when I look back at every experience <laughs> that I f- that I got upset over, or I freaked out, or I got stressed about, what if this happens? What if this happens? and it didn't change the experience i mean it didn't change the outcome either way no and then i know I, that yeah so i know that but i'm just excited for you because it sounds like that after you know 35 years of doing comedy yeah. maybe that 38 uh, 38 years of doing comedy yeah. that you but 35 where i was really good we were re- <laughs> That you've kind of that thirty three where I was great. You're still discovering this thing of like, wow! I still, it's there's still new things that I'm excited to go out and. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Isn't it a great thing? I and I always say to people,
1: comics, everybody, what's your thing? Do it. Don't be afraid. Be fearless. Be fearless. Even though I'm just saying, I don't mean you should. Throw everything you have away, but you should plan to become
0: fearless. And even if you're not fearless, experience fear and then do the shit anyway.
1: Yeah. Like, you know what? Like I always say, nobody's shooting at comics yet. (laughs) So it's probably a good, nobody's
0: strapping stuff on them and going into a comedy show and blowing stuff up. Comedy is now, I feel like there's such a fertile, it's a fertile time for comedy. There's, it's the new eighties. It, yeah, the comedy it's store definitely is the on fire right it's definitely now. the
1: new '80s. It's definitely the new '80s. I was there the other fire. night, yeah. And I go, I'm going to crush it now. I said, I'm going to crush it tonight. I went up. I think there was everybody was waiting in line. Yeah. There were lots of Mark Marin was there. I go, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to go up there and just crush, I'm going to crush this stuff I want to do. And I was working on it, and I crushed it. Uh, I th- used to go and do the Tonight Show, you know. And if it went well at the Comedy Store, the Tonight Show didn't go as well. So I was always happy if the Tonight sh- if the comedy store didn't go as well. Why do you well. think that was? I think because I just needed to get my order right, and I need to get the patter down. Right. And I didn't care about the re- – I was just trying to get it thing. So if I – but I would had to – I need to hold back from killing it. Mm-hmm. I needed to just present it. Right. Here's a joke. Will this work? Ha-ha, I got the right. Because I can measure – if I don't give the joke the whole thing, I can rem- measure what its potential is. I know where the the Geiger counter can go. Right. So as every comic does, like when somebody laughs when you're talking to them, you know you want to get that joke filed. Right. Because that, you know, there's a a beautiful joke there. But like you, somebody said to me, um, did, who he said, I grew up on the wrong guys, and I go, me too. and uh, <laughs> But it was so inside that I thought... <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> I think he said, I grew up under the wrong guys somehow. And I, maybe I just thought that anyways, it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> the whole thing, but it made me really laugh. But there, but there, is that, that's one of the things you're like, well, I don't know if I could do that on stage. Could you do well, that on stage? Yeah, I could do it. Oh yeah. I'm completely there with my fans. And I, you know, I talk to them about, you know, what, you know, what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling and how I'm feeling. Cause I want them to know, cause they paid that money to know how I'm doing, what I'm doing, and how I'm feeling. They did. They did not pay that money to just hear jokes. They are connected to me. Yeah. They've been coming to see me for thirty years plus. Yeah. So the majority of them, and I have touched them somehow. So in whatever I did to touch them, I better touch them that night. Yeah. Right. Because if I just mail it in, I never. I I hate that when I when I have a set that I go. You know, like if I have a heckler or somebody yelling out, I go, I just, I just immediately get that taken care of either through with them or I just go to the side and go get that guy out of here. or That woman out of here. Yeah. I just just do. Just to crush it. What? What? Just Just to get out of the way. It isn't for me because I can handle it. Just for the experience for the audience. You know, it's like, you know, your family's not in show business. Right. So you shouldn't subject them to stuff. (laughs) But you're in show business, so you can handle whatever anyone says. Right. Or you should be able to, or get used to it. And the same with, they don't—they. do I don't want the attention to be on that person, because the crowd will get concerned for me, and then I'll get mad. And once I get mad, I lose the audience, because they've never seen me. They don't want to see you mad. They don't want to see me mad, because I get really mad. They don't want to see it. You know, I used to do a joke. I go, well, you know, my idea, wouldn't it be fun some night, come out, kill a heckler. Just <laughs> shoot him because people would stop, Never bother you again.
0: No, that would be. Hey,
1: don't he killed a guy the last week? Man, did you see that yeah. on YouTube?
0: He's, he's murdering. But anyways,
1: him. anyways, that was a nice exchange we just had. You're you're great at this.
0: Oh no, I just I you're I, not
1: great at this. Well, no, I I think you're great. At, aren't I, you on the top? Aren't you in the top two thousand?
0: At least in the I top don't know. 2000. I never
1: at least in the top two thousand. I I just I care. About- I like when they have a list of the the podcast. Yeah. It just makes me laugh. I mean, I don't have any reference to it. I just go, oh, this is 18th. I should listen to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a number that has been uh, ordered in some way. But no matter what, you're not going to get me to eat,
1: you know, Brussels sprouts. (laughs) No matter if they go, Brussels sprouts have cured fatness. I don't care. It doesn't. I'm not eating. No, I tried it. I couldn't live on them, so I'll just stay fat.
0: Are you performing? Do you have a regular show in Vegas at the moment?
1: No, I'm going to be at the uh, Red Rock for uh, Valentine's weekend. For some reason, <laughs> they always book me on Valentine's <laughs> weekend. And I go, all right, whatever. Did I like, like the day after Valentine's, where the candy's half price.
0: That's, that's or just left around. Yeah, yeah, we got to get rid of this. Yeah. Take it.
1: Did, did, Can you leave candy around? Like that's when you know you're a food addict. When you go. I even ate the uh, mints.
0: You know, it's interesting. You know, I I know exactly the question you're asking. I know exactly the nuance of the question you're asking. Yeah. When I was drinking, I could never leave a beer. I could always had to finish. I like it would just like I can't leave that. Yeah. For some reason, I don't have. And would the you same, guzzle it then? If I had to, yeah,
1: because you did because it was uh, unfinished. I don't know. It was part of your pathology. It was part of that
0: pathology. Yeah. It just needed to be in my body. And, uh, I don't have, you know, I think I have some of that relationship with work and I, but I don't have that relationship with, uh, food. I don't have, like I was surprised you had a
1: podcast you have a show and then you have the, um, talking dead and I go, wow, that would kill me. And he's working on the road yeah yeah but But i I, like it you're in shape for it you're built to fall
0: off from touring though because i just got married in august and and i I, I guess i kind of thought hey maybe i don't feel maybe i feel like being with my wife yeah and not and not not being not only being gone most weekends but also being fried and coming home like don't talk to me i just need to i just need to sit here Please just leave me alone. And you
1: put so much, like I did At Midnight. You could watch the episode. I was brilliant in it. (laughs) He was? No, I was terrible, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Martha was worse than me. That's the only redemption. Um, (laughs) And she she wanted to be worse than me, which really makes me angry when she does that. I love Martha Kelly. Kelly. She killed the set at Largo the other night. Oh, my gosh. Killed it.
0: You know, Martha... Martha was sort of Martha was one of those people because I did open mics with her when I started doing yeah. open mics. I've known her since you know ninety-eight, ninety-nine. And she like was, that's a long time ago. It that's w- my favorite. It was so. almost 20 years ago. I know, but it's so funny. But she uh 98, 99. She would always, always <laughs> kill just because she had that delivery yeah. and the jokes, you know. And she was such a great writer. And uh and such a great writer. Just disappeared. Like, not disappeared, but just went moved to Austin. Like I just yeah. need to be in Austin. And I was so happy to see her come back, get back into that. That's Zach. That's Zach
1: that, that did that. Zach brought her to, you know, brought her back. He always, he
0: always loved Zach.
1: He made, I don't know. He's just such a, he's such a good person. I mean, people don't know, you know, they ask about Zach, but I go, you don't understand. Zach is the guy who sits with everybody on the set. He isn't, he's a complete real human being. Yeah. And you just, you just, he's hes not pretentious, and, and he did, you know, like, you know, I didn't know that he, I said, well, how did Martha get the thing? Well, I've known her for 20 years, and I just go, wow, that's such a good thing that you, you know, because most times when you're doing a TV show, you don't want to do weird things like that, and he just did it because he knows he's got relationships, and he's got friendships, and th- he, he knows how much it means to people to get a job. Well, and I also think that's. I'm spe- I'm sorry, Zach. That I'm speaking for Andrew. That's you. That's what makes. That.
0: That's what makes what he's doing that much more special <laughs> because it could have been like a, a watered down sitcom or something, and and he wanted to do it this way, and it was like, well, if I'm going to do something, it has to be this way.
1: It's amazing what he, you know, we shot that thing under a cloak of darkness, basically. You know, Louis C.K. project. Yeah. You know, nobody gets to know anything, and you you show up. They shuttle you to the thing and shuttle you to the set. I shot my scene. I didn't know the other scenes. I just had my stuff, <laughs> you know, and I shot it. And I was hoping that it would be great. And I gave it my all. And then we waited for, I don't know, I guess a year. I think you wait. You know, you wait for quite a while. It seemed yeah. like a year. And then when we got it, but it was just so nobody bothered. Nobody was bothering anybody.
0: But, I mean, it's not – it can't be lost on you. This is like a real acting job. Like it's yeah, a yeah, real no, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, it's not just – Oh, Louis, the comedian, or Louis, no, no, the guy no. who hosts the I try to disappear when on that show. I
1: try to make Louis Anderson disappear. I try to not have any remnants of Louis Anderson in that character. And then Jonathan Kreisel keeps me on that. Whenever he thinks I'm getting too big on anything, he just goes, a little smaller, a little smaller. And he's real sweet, he says it real low. Just puts his fingers and goes smaller, mm-hmm. you know, with your thumb and your index finger. And I go, And he goes, yeah, smaller. And so that's what I need to hear because, you know, I'm from a big family, in, you know, loudmouth family. Like, we, our voices are all like this. Everybody. And I can be so loud that I've had people whip around and go, God. (laughs) (laughs) And you just go, hey, what? That's my voice. You prick
0: <laughs> oh i love
1: this guy what is it dirk anderson yeah <laughs> dink dink anderson dink. hey folks i'm here well this is the last night i said the wrong thing to the mayor d and i didn't know he was uh, sleeping with the owner of the company <laughs> uh anyway that's my parting shot at this
0: dump fuck <laughs> all you guys good night uh, Wait, what you just... yeah but i i isn't it interesting that when you started in this business people were pretty much just one thing if you hosted game shows you were just yeah. a game show host if you were a, a tv actor you were just a tv actor and there were some exceptions but very few and now it's like everyone can be everything you know yeah. like you you could be a comedian for 30 some odd years you could host family feud you Yay. could you could you could have a cartoon you know but then still Have a, you know, a comedy, a dramatic comedy role, win an Emmy for an acting. I mean, it's such a wonderful time to be in the business. You know, that's why I say
1: I go back to that thing. Don't get on a line. Don't be afraid. 63, you get a phone call for a job of a lifetime. Don't think that you're out of the thing because the games change.
0: And at 62, you could have said, fuck this. I don't want to do this (laughs) shit anymore. Fuck all this.
1: I don't know, though. I'm like you. Could we have? Can we? No, can we? I, not no, we if can. it's not if it's in. But here's the great thing: people forget. Bob Hope, great radio guy. Bob Hope, great performer guy. Bob Hope, great movie guy. Bob Hope, TV guy. Yeah. Bob Hope did it all. Yeah. So we have to get. I mean, I think that that model still is strong. Right. And I think that the greatest thing is the eye of the crowd out there, the audience. The audience is back to dictating what should be on television <laughs> and it's so wonderful really well as a guy a, a show like baskets could never have survived with when there were four just four oh
0: no 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 not, a, not at all that thing would have been
1: kicked punted into the end zone it never would have made it past the i mean ah uh, this
0: oh, what is this they would have that, said what is this why is it funny we should put so
1: is that addressed.
0: Sorry, we're gonna recast it. We're gonna put Jim Belushi in it and then we're gonna put uh the this buddy is a dog. Jim Belushi got a sitcom every four years. <laughs> he always <laughs> not that he didn't deserve it, but I wanna the la- as we're kinda wrapping this out, yeah, the last sorry. thing that I no, 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 no. The last thing that I wanna explore with you just for a couple minutes is the idea of uh because I'm sure you did this when you were uh first starting out in comedy. You know, you look at you look at the comics who've been doing it for a long time, and you go, "Oh, that one's still funny." I don't know what happened to that guy. That guy used to be hilarious, <laughs> or that lady was I uh, I don't know what happened. What happens? Do you think I have theories about it? But what happens sometimes where comics just, yeah, they just kind of like, yeah, they lose it a little bit. You know, when you watch, you go, "I don't know." They don't want it anymore. Or they don't. I don't know. What is it?
1: Well, I think comics get really hurt. I think they really, they they were anxious and. They were, you know, we all have friends. We all have good friends, who deserve every bit of success we have. They're funny. They're great. We didn't decide. You don't get to decide who, you know. That's a preference of other people. You don't get to decide who gets the show. Who gets the, you know, gets to sell tickets. Who gets the, that's all. You know, I'm just, I'm just lucky. On that that note, I mean, the honest truth is, that's a. That's a crapshoot, isn't it? I mean, yeah. people say thirty-eight years—that's pretty long. I go, I know. Don't <laughs> spread it around. I don't want to be punished for that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm still, eh, I'm, I'm still amazed, and I have my ebbs and flows for sure, ups and downs. Um, but I think what happens is people get hurt and they get tired. They get exhausted like if you're in a relationship or in a marriage and you quit working on it or you quit doing the stuff that's important to do this is all easy to say and very hard to do so I don't mean to minimal, minimalize it but I think you get tired and I think you got to stay excited about what first got you in to what you're doing mm-hmm. like when you were how old were you when I met you uh 25 maybe 25 when that's how old i was when i started 25 and you were excited Mm -hmm. you just because you have to keep that you have to keep a certain amount of excitement up like you know you have to do the work no agent no manager they're not going to get it done for you right they can't do it if you don't have a clear vision and you don't have a purpose and you don't have the drive, they will just skim off the top of what you're doing and take what you're going to work. Cause they don't have, they don't, aren't you, that isn't their job. And I don't mean skim in a bad way. Um, well, they but also they, have other gonna, clients. Yes.
0: Well, <laughs> which is really you. a shame.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but so what I'm saying is I think people get hurt, they get lost, they get forgotten. And and I think it's hard to recover from that, and people need to live if you're making twenty five or fifty dollars or a hundred dollars a week doing stand up you know or five hundred even, and you have to live on that, and you have a kid and a wife and the whole thing yeah that's not that's gonna be I'm sure that that has to that's come up a especially
0: after times. commission is like oh you're saying yeah, you, get saying, yeah, you, get you know 10%? so
1: that there's that middle ground of stand up which is the same. I even think singers and songwriters have it even worse, you know, because they got to go and perform four
0: hours in a bar. Oh, and then the, and old, then, the older you get, you lose your voice doesn't yeah, sustain as well.
1: Comics work till they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> we work till we're dead. But I guess that the thing that you're saying, I, I agree with you. I think people get hurt, forgotten, and I think they give up to some degree.
0: I think I think finding the excitement is is key, I think, is is remembering the excitement. And especially... And remembering the desire you had. Yeah. And because when comics, especially when comics get famous, they get less enthused about, oh boy, I don't want to bomb. And, you know, if I'm trying out new material, I don't want to bomb in front of this room. Or, you know, they're all. That's why I always say you should do it all the time. Yeah. That should be part of your night.
1: Yeah. Your new stuff, don't you think? Well, yeah, 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 for sure. Except on TV where you have a set you got to do. But, but now,
0: even then. But now people record shows and they put them up on the fucking Internet. And it's like, yeah. you know, you have a uh, you have one bad set and then someone puts it up and goes, oh, that guy fucking sucks. No, no, no. He was just working on new material. But you can't explain that to people. Here's the thing.
1: Quit listening to the noise. I used uh, to tell everybody at the best comedy, advice comedy star, go home. Do your set and go home if you're going to get caught. These people, all these comics back here, their one goal for the night will be to make you feel bad about what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) because that will give them some little bit of joy because things aren't working out for them or whatever. I go, don't get involved with their business. Don't get involved with their stuff. Don't let them get inside your head. Right. You know, and I say, you know, take your stuff seriously. I used to do my set. I had an old cassette player in my uh, Pontiac. I'd put my my cassette that I taped at the show. I'd take it out of my little cassette player and I'd put it in there. I'd listen to my set on the way home. and I'd go there, that that's good. That's shit. that's good. That's shit. That's really good. Oh, I got to work on that. And I'd go home and then I'd you know I'd work, I'd throw the ideas down. And luckily, I had a really good memory for my comedy, not much else. So the next night, I'd take that set. And I would in, improve upon it because I, don't, you know, I, 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 think I thought it was the greatest comic of all time. Don't you think that every comic has to think that they're the greatest comic of all time? I mean, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to compare like Richard Pryor's. I think he's the greatest comic of all time, but. If with me, I've got to think I'm the greatest comic of all time. Or at least have the potential to be the... Well, I want that audience to feel like I think I'm the greatest comic <laughs> so that they feel we're watching the greatest comic of all time. Yeah. Plus, I'm so full of myself. I'm an ego maniacal <laughs> human being. I, I, I think that you put this couch at this angle because it would be a disadvantage to me yeah <laughs> no, yeah you no know. but you know what i mean i'm just so full of myself you know like so good friends of mine i have good friends and you always need these friends you know louis you think the world revolves around you and i go doesn't it though <laughs> 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 that's all in your head because if you say that then you get that's not good
0: no but you're a comedian you could
1: say that yeah, and people would laugh that's the only thing yeah. doesn't it though yeah but i think it's really about that i don't you think i don't don't you think kate Don't you think you – I tried to get you to work for me, and they wouldn't let you. I hope you know that. I had no idea. Who doesn't want – I had no idea Pete got it. Pete just shut
0: me down. Pete's
1: podcast Yeah. Pete's uh, cartel. Yeah, Pete's cartel. Got got in the way. Although it was a great podcast and everything, Pete just kind of just like, when I said, hey, I'd like to get involved with your network on my podcast. Oh, I'm with the nurse. I'm on Chris's thing. I can't possibly. But the funny I thing is that I Pete couldn't. doesn't even make that decision. No, no. it's so funny about no, it. No, no. Pete was just having fun. He was just with, teasing. He was, he was just teasing. But I, I know that uh, I could get Kate. I could steal her away from you, Pete. So just so you know, because <laughs> I have fresh bakery, Pete. I have fresh bakery. And if you know one thing, I have vegan bakery. For Katie, so you start bringing her stuff. She's Katie's
0: already. Pa- I, so I'm watching her pack right now to go. <laughs> no, She's packing all so her things. Isn't
1: Pete great? I love, love doing this podcast,
0: and I'm very excited. I'm so excited for his new show too. Yeah, because it, you know, to watch. I one of my favorite things about this business is watching the world discover. I feel like I was in on something before anyone Ah. else was. It's like, I knew that guy. I knew he was funny before. I've seen him for years. I know he's funny. Now he's going to do something where everyone else is going to go. Oh, that guy's funny. Like, yeah, I fucking knew that. And isn't
1: that a great example of what we're talking about? That this that Pete stuck to what he knew was him. Yeah, because it couldn't have been.
0: He wasn't the first guy chosen.
1: No, but, but but you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. But uh,
0: but but also, it you know, like the, the entertainment business is a great lesson in because it moves so fast and things can change on a dime. You know, Pete did a talk show that Conan produced a few years ago and, you know, they did a lot of promotion for it and the show didn't go as well as he had hoped. And a lot of people could have walked away from that and gone, well, fuck all this. But if that show had worked, he wouldn't have had this new show, which I think is actually going to provide more opportunities for him.
1: He had that funny daytime show, Letterman, remember? Right. So sometimes you have to really trip hard or do something, and I don't mean it in a mean way. Right. But sometimes you get in the wrong situation and go, oh, this is what I – now I know what to do. How many things – Now, once you get the lights on you and once you get the audience there and you go, oh, this is – Oh, this is how I could do this. Yeah. Because we learn on the fly. Comics especially. We learn on the fly. Oh, I'll never let that happen again.
0: (laughs) Like a corporate. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. That's our skill set. If you're paying attention is to learn how to make shit work on the fly. Because you have to. You know what I realized during this podcast? What? How really bright we are. I mean, we are. We
1: know stuff. More than anyone else, I'm going to say. How about John and Bones? You know, they were both my feud
0: guys. Oh, my God. Well, John. You know that, John, right? John Stewart. I didn't know that they. John and, and I Bones. I think maybe John. I always just assume John and Bones worked on everything. You know, John is our stage manager. They're from Middle Earth, aren't they? They're from Middle Earth. They're mythological creatures. They really are. I'm sure they right? did uh, mythological amounts of drugs in the 80s. Uh, I have but, no comment. Uh, but Johnny, uh, John Stewart's the real deal. Like <laughs> John Stewart is bad. He's a gem. We're
1: lucky he to have is. him. And you know, these guys are like, no, they're just so chill about it all. Well, they they've just seen relax everything. everybody for yeah. Top down, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and in the most respectful way. Yeah. They don't get they're worked so up great about with anything. Yes, and everybody. Yeah. Nothing fazes like they've worked with the biggest everyone. They don't give yeah. a shit anymore, and yeah. it's great. It's great. And
1: anyways, just so uh, for all of you biggest everyone's out there, you're not. Just, <laughs> you're not. Don't be the biggest everyone around the people who are also the biggest everyone's. Just enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Roll in butter. And then powder yourself and drop yourself into a deep fryer. Thank you
0: so much for being here, Louis Anderson. You, I Chris. adore you. I love you to pieces. And I'm so glad Likewise. that we've been friends for 20 years. 20 years. Uh, and I say to everyone, enjoy your burrito. The end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Real Time with Bill Maher. A show that I've done uh, a few times. Uh, Bill Maher and his rotating panels of guests are back for more in season 15 of HBO's award-winning winning series. Uh, Bill and his guests will be live. They're going to dissect new and not so new people and happenings on Wall Street, Hollywood, around the world, and especially Washington. Watch real time with Bill Maher live Fridays at 10 p.m. only on HBO. Also, every week the conversation continues on Real Time Overtime on YouTube. Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago, as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome the dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride, One and Two, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric, and this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they make Met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today? Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this Bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser!